Hey sister, this is Misty Williams, founder of HealingRosie.com, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Rosie Radio. Tune in to find clarity, direction, and hope for your healing. New episodes drop every Tuesday. We created this show to empower you to regain control of your life and feel like yourself again. Yes, sister, it is possible. You guys, I'm so excited to be um, doing this interview today with my friend, Dr. Sean Tassone, because um, you all know I've shared a lot of my story with you about the challenges that I've had really wanting to maintain my quality of life as I get older and having my hormone health severely compromised by some of the things that I had experienced. I had the endometriosis diagnosis after the surgery to remove an ovary, a cyst from my left ovary. Along with my left ovary, it turns out, um, I dealt with terrible fatigue, brain fog after that surgery. I went six days without sleep. Um, I, a couple years later, was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. It's been like one hormone thing after another. They found nodules on my thyroid, like all these things, you know, kind of go, go back to women's hormones. And one of the most challenging parts of that experience for me was constantly hearing things from my doctor, like your labs are normal. Everything's fine. Um, I felt like I was being gaslit, honestly, like I was trying to, you know, pour my heart out about these, these symptoms and experiences I was having. And I'm being basically told that actually everything is fine and nothing's wrong at all. And, you know, maybe we need to put you on an antidepressant. Um, you just need to give things more time. I had one practitioner say, Misty, even if we did run more labs, I wouldn't know what they meant, which was like, stunning to me. I was shocked because I had these expectations as a patient of who a doctor was going to be for me in my health journey. And, and at that point in my life, really, it was in my healing journey. So over time, of course, I've learned to navigate this a lot more powerfully. I eventually went on hormone therapy. Um, it's been a godsend for me in my life, especially with the issues I have. I've since uncovered that I had Mercury fillings improperly drilled for my mouth. So I'm dealing with mercury toxicity. Um, I found out last summer that I had mold. So I'm dealing with mold toxicity. I likely all of these things converged and my body was picking them up, picking them up around the same time in 2013. So in the meantime, before all this was uncovered, I've been able to get hormone support and it's been life changing. Like my quality of life has been preserved in so many ways by supporting my hormones properly. But as Many of you know, if you've tried to navigate this terrain, finding someone to help you with your hormones is quite the challenge. Um, we experience a lot with functional medicine doctors. I think there's this expectation that if you go to a functional medicine doctor, they're going to be able to help you with your hormones. And that actually is not true. I hear from women all the time in our community that they go to their doctor, their doctor doesn't, well, let's do all the other things first and hormones really never get addressed. And then they want to help with hormones. And so they're essentially experimenting, right? They don't necessarily have the education to really help you with your hormones. And so women have these bad experiences going down the hormone path, you know, their emotions, you know, get knocked off the rails and they find they're, they're a wreck or they start dealing with all sorts of symptoms. My mom has dealt with breast tenderness. We actually, my mom works with Dr. Tassone. So we we're going down this path where we're trying to get this area dialed in and there's just a lot to it. We have this belief as women too, that the hormone experts are the gynecologists in our space. And um, I want to talk to Dr. Sean about that today because I've had a unique 
experience. It's not that unique. I've had a different experience than what I would have expected, you know, as a patient. Um, but it turns out it's actually not very unique at all. So Dr. Shantasone is board certified in obstetrics and gynecology and by the American Board of Integrative Medicine. He is the author of the Hormone Balance Bible and holds a medical degree in addition to a PhD in mind-body medicine. Tassone Gynecology is currently accepting new patients and accepts most major insurance plans, which is a super exciting part um, of his practice that I'm looking forward to us chatting about today. So welcome, Dr. Sean. Hey, thanks for having me. It's really nice to see you again. Yeah, I'm totally thrilled to have you, and I'm excited for us to dive into this conversation. You've heard me ramble on about my story and the things that I've experienced. Um, and as a woman, I think probably because our bodies are the perpetuators of the species, we're so sensitive to our environments and so many things can affect our hormones and our quality of life really is tied to our hormone health. If you're dealing with flabby, foggy and fatigue, which is a moniker I use very often, you most likely have issues with your hormones being out of balance. I think I have that too, actually. Yeah, yes. So you get it. You get it. You <laughs> That's not just that. women. Okay. That's men too. <laughs> Well, I would love for you to just maybe help us understand this field of gynecology um, and, okay. and, and what are, what should we be expecting from our gynecologists? And you practice really differently, which is what I want us to focus our conversation on today, um, because I think there's some good learnings in understanding the difference in maybe a traditional gynecology practice and your sure. practice sure. Um, and what you're doing. Um, it is outside the box and different. As a patient, my expectation would be that all gynecologists are practicing like you are. So it was very uh, challenging for me to have a very different experience in the beginning. It was hard to find someone that would help me with my hormones. The first person that helped me was a practitioner in Nashville. She was used to be an OBGYN. She since dropped the OB and was just doing gynecology, but she was the first one to help me with my hormones. So I've had a positive experience working with gynecologists, but there have been many that were part of the gaslighting that I experienced early on. And I think if we just understood this better, it would help us navigate this terrain and make better decisions for ourselves. So look at OBGYN as two separate professions, two separate like full-time jobs. Probably the obstetrics, um, obviously super important, a lot of energy, a lot of happiness, but you never know when babies are coming. And so a typical OBGYN will probably see, and I'm just looking back at when I used to do it, 40 to 50 patients a day. And they also have people laboring up in labor and delivery. And so their minds are always, they're super multitaskers because that's what they have to do in order to, to do everything. They got people calling for refills and everything. So they also have to have a very good staff, which is super hard to find too. And they are usually, and I will say this because I know a lot of them, uh, usually super nice people like OBGYNs, family practitioners, pediatricians generally are those kind of people that you'd like hang out with on the weekends. That's why they go into those professions. Um, so they tend to be more personable. I think what happens, though, is we are limited. Now, I, because I only do GYN, I might see 20 patients in a day, which is still a lot. But when you do that, when you take insurance, it's a double-edged sword because you can only see somebody for 15 or 20 minutes. I will set aside 30 minutes for a new patient. But, you know, I'm still getting paid. I mean, if I saw her in five minutes versus 30 minutes, I'd get paid the same. And that's kind of one of the issues. Now, when you see a functional practitioner, they might charge 
700 $800 for an initial visit, you get an hour and a half, but you know, it's costing more. So it's a give and take. And I think that the OBs, what happens is they're just so worried about the, the cattle call, as it were, of patients that they're working through, um, that they want to make everybody happy. And at times, the woman that comes in, somebody like you, that has all these issues, and if they think a birth control pill can solve it, they're going to put you on the birth control pill because they, in their training and in their experience, it's worked for other people. Um, and you're not going to get any of the answers, but you might have this long list and you might not even get to them because you just feel moved through. And I think one of the ways that we have seriously failed as a profession is one simple thing. And that's just listening. I think if we would listen more and, and sit down and I'm, you know, I'm not perfect either. I, I, I do pride myself on, on listening and, and being there, but you know, everybody's, you know, might have a headache or something, you know, you're, you're not there for necessarily every single patient, every single time, but it's expect it's setting your expectations. So when you go see an OBGYN, write down three to five questions don't don't go you know straying off down the path if you're if you if you want them to follow you down a path stay on the path and don't you know go well my husband and you know whatever <laughs> all because, the stories they, it's easy to do that and you want you want to tell your story and you feel pressured because you want to get it all out so i would always say write your questions down ahead of time and realize that they can probably do 3 to 5 questions they may not answer them the way you want them to answer per se. Um, you And you might get where people too. And if you meet 10 people at a party, you might like eight of them and you might not head it off with two of them. Same with doctors. We have different personalities, different styles. And it doesn't mean they're bad or they're, they're you know, they're a bad practitioner. They might just have a bad bedside manner. But you just need to be prepared for your visit. Know what you want ahead of time. And if they can't provide that for you, don't be angry. Um, find somebody that can help you. Because yeah. the good news is, you, you know, now this person isn't the one that's going to help you. So, and that's, that's okay. You know, I mean, and it's the thing that sucks is that you do have to hunt and pack. But the beautiful thing nowadays with the internet and Instagram and Facebook is there, you can find these people a lot easier because you can see someone's personality coming through on social media. And if you like their, I mean, I just had a lady today with her husband come in. It's pretty funny because he's the one that watches me and he records it for her. And so it was kind of funny because I'm, I'm about as blue collar as you can be grew up poor and my only child. And, but my, uh, they they acted like I was this celebrity and it's pretty you might get that from women in your group if they actually meet you at some point because yeah. they they you see they see you all the time and I'm just like I'm just me you know I'm just like mm-hmm. oh I get I get embarrassed I'm like uh I don't know what to do you know <laughs> so but I think the point is is that you're going to resonate with certain folks and so you find that practitioner that that will work with you and and you just have to be persistent it's your healthcare don't let somebody tell you, I just put up a post the other day on Instagram, you know, the doctor saying, oh, your results are normal. And they're like right down at the bottom of normal. And the patient's like laying on the floor, like, oh, you know, but they're <laughs> normal. That yeah. And, and that's, that's a busy OBGYN because they got all these other things going on. And I am, I kind of enjoy it. For me, it's kind of more like a detective work. It's, you know, what I love is when I talk to a patient, and I'll tell the story of low testosterone and their heads just going up and down, up and down. That, that to me is what's really fulfilling about this. It's, it's that 
acknowledgement that they're being acknowledged. And I have done my job over 20 years and listened to all these other stories that have come. And so that's why I think women, it's funny because I can't really take credit for it. I just had the opportunity to hear all these stories and my brain works in such a way that I was able to filter them into 12 different um, imbalance types. And so, but I, it does resonate. Well, I think it's, you're bringing up a really important point um, in creating a great relationship with your doctor. We actually just spoke about this in the interview that I did with Gretchen Bronson um, recently. Um, and that is, it's, you need to go in with your health goals and you need to go in with a clear idea of what you're wanting to enroll that doctor in helping you resolve. I, there's this, there's this perspective that we have as patients that we're going to go in and the doctor's going to tell us. Like they're going to look at our labs and they're going to tell us, well, here's everything you need to do. And the challenge with that is there's so much about our lived experience that the doctor has no clue about. Right. And um, if we can direct our care, we're going to be a lot happier with the results. So going and saying, like when I sit down with you to talk about my mom, my mom has osteoporosis. One of the things we want to do is to begin um, a protocol to help her regain her bone loss. She's dealing with a lot of fatigue. She's falling asleep in the afternoon. You know, we, she was struggling uh, with sleeping at night, although that's gotten um, a lot better. And her energy overall is getting better on hormone therapy. But, you know, we came in with very clear things that we wanted your help on. And then you, you're correlating that over here to our lab work. And you can see how um, hormone, we didn't just talk hormone support, by the way, we, how hormone support can help. And then also some lifestyle things that need to be happening so that we get the results that they want. Very targeted, focused. Here's what we need out of the visit. And my mom's having a really great experience. So I think I think what you're describing here is really useful for all of us as we forge these relationships with our doctors. Yeah, definitely. And and like you said, when when I know that you really want to focus, say, on osteoporosis, I can talk about testosterone, estradiol. Uh, vitamin D, um, weightlifting, uh, nutrition. And, and it just gives, because I have, like, like I said, I try to jam all this in. The beautiful thing now that I have the book is I can actually now, if people want more information, I can direct them direct to them. the part of my brain that's in the book that mm-hmm. pertains to them. But before that, you try to get out as much as you can. And then, and then what you don't realize too is that after your visit, I have to go out and then chart all the stuff and, 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 and that's another 15 minutes. And so it's like, we're always, I'll go home and I'll have 20 charts. I still have to finish, you know, at, at home at night. And some of the doctors that make more money, um, they have scribes that'll actually do it all while they're in the room. I just haven't gotten to that point yet. And I'm, I just don't want to pay people to do something I can do. Like I said, yeah. I'm blue collar, but You're blue uh, collar. But yeah, it's just, um, and and it's just, like you said, when your mom came in and, and, and she knew what she wanted, it's easier for me to focus my discussion as well. But we know we still hit estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, um, thyroid panels. We do all that and we'll, we get it in, in a half an hour. And then the, the thing that I also do too, is I try to, once I see somebody physically, I'm, I can take care of them for a year through telehealth. Uh, at least through Texas state laws. 
And the beautiful thing is, is I can check in with them every month, every two months. So it's not going to be like one discussion. And then I was on a board today on Facebook, uh, a doctor board, and they're like, oh, I, I usually only see my patients once a year. And I'm like, how can you know what's going on with them? If, you know, because a lot of the times women will, they'll feel better, but they're not exactly where they want to be. And so they'll just grit it out. Women are so good at powering through than men. Men, you know, we have a cold or whatever, we're out. Women power through. Like I asked my grandma one day when she was still alive, what her menopause was like. And she said, what the hell is menopause? You know, she just, cause this is a world war two lady, you know, she just powered through. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, and women, uh, we, we taught women it's, it's okay for them to suffer. You know, I think that that's a societal thing. Women, you know, should bear the burden of all the ills of the world. And, you know, even down from Eve, you know, uh, eating the apple and we've punished her ever since. But I think that if you understand that you're supposed to feel good, it's, it's okay to feel good. And then the ultimate thing is, is I, if I get somebody feeling better, they always, always ask me, when do I stop? And I was like, well, when do you want to stop feeling good? You know, it's like, why would you stop if you feel great? You know, don't, you know, I wouldn't put you on this if I was afraid it was going to hurt you. And so we've also scared the hell out of women thinking that hormones are horrible and that it's only for a limited time. It's, it blows my mind all the time. I like to unpack that a little bit more because I definitely hear that in the, in the Healing Rosie community, women saying things like, well, if I start bioidentical hormone therapy, how long will I have to be on it? You know, like there was, I remember one post, uh, one of the ladies said, you know, you'll, you'll pry my estrogen from my cold dead hands. And I just mm. cracked up because yeah. I feel this, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll be on it, you know, as long as, as long as my body can tolerate it because it's so important for quality of life. This bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is controversial, actually. And yeah. um, for in the functional medicine space, I think it's um, much more there, there's a, there's an openness to it. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of the research and data on bioidentical hormones that we have on pharmaceuticals. But I'd like for you just to help us understand the difference between conventional synthetic hormones, right? And the hormone treatments and bioidentical hormone therapy. What are the difference between those two things and help us understand what their place has traditionally been inside gynecology umbrella? Well, traditionally, when I was trained in the 90s, um, we had Premarin and we had Prempro, which was the horse-based uh, equiline estrogen and a medroxyprogesterone, which is probably one of the worst medicines ever invented. Um, but it's a progestin, progesterone-like compound. And that's kind of all we had. We had estrace, which was a bioidentical estrogen, but it was super expensive, like $100 a month. So most women couldn't afford it. You fast forward um, probably over the last 20 years, bioidentical hormone replacement has become more mainstream. So there are tons of bioidentical hormones, Prometrium, uh, the, the, most of the patches now are bioidentical. Uh, you can get estradiol tablets. I mean, so it's available, but it's not, hasn't been really co-opted by the big pharmaceutical companies. Some of them have come around and they, they do have medications, but what the what the controversy is right now is compounded bioidentical 
multiple hormones. So those hormones that are made at a local pharmacy, and it's just because the compounds that they're using are FDA approved, your testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, but they're not the, the lab where they're being made. The pharmacy where they're being made isn't FDA approved because the FDA doesn't approve pharmacies. So that's where the controversy is. And it is a big business. And the pharmaceutical companies that have dabbled and have put their fingers into the pot are seeing that there are a lot of women that go on these products. And so they're wanting to shut down the compounding pharmacies so that they can have all of the market share. So that's where the controversy is coming in is with that compounded piece. Now, all of the hormones are synthesized technically from like soy and wild yam, but they are bioidentical in the sense that they look like a natural hormone they're not made from a horse or you know and and that's the thing with like ester with premarin premarin if you if you notice never went generic and most medications go generic after 10 years premarin to this day has never gone generic and the reason is they can't tell because they don't know um, all of the compounds that are in it there's so many things in it they can't even reproduce it. And so it can't go generic. I think they, they lost count at like 35 bioidentical, bio, biopharmaceutical compounds, you know, horse estrogen, ethanol estradiol. There's all these different estrogens and we don't even know what half of them probably do. Bioidentical progesterone, estrogen, testosterone is a single thing. It looks exactly, it fits the lock. The key fits that lock perfectly. It's not like uh, birth control pills, ethanol, estradiol, and progestins, which are both synthetic. They fit the, they fit the key. They, the key fits the lock, but it hits it so hard that you have side effects. That's why you have issues with breast cancer and bleeding and uterine cancers and fibroids. And because it's just, it's the way birth control pills in general are about seven times stronger than hormone replacement for menopause. And that's what I think also doesn't come through in the translation is um, the breast cancer risks that came out with the Women's Health Initiative 15 years ago really screwed the whole thing up. I mean, it was, it, it <laughs> I was talking to a patient about this today. It was most of the, all of the women in the study were over 63. So there weren't, they were all older women. Um, they used Prempro, which, and Premarin, which were synthetic hormones. So they don't even correlate to bioidenticals. There were no topicals involved, no sublinguals. And so at family practice, all these doctors stopped prescribing hormones. Women were scared of hormones. To this day, I hear it all the time. And my caveat is, Estrogen in and of itself doesn't cause breast cancer. If it did, every woman and man in the world would get breast cancer. Now, if you have a breast cancer cell that has an estrogen receptor on it and I give you estrogen, it could stimulate that cell to grow, but it may not necessarily cause the breast cancer. And I think women's risks of osteoporosis and heart disease are much higher than women getting breast cancer, although breast cancer is much scarier. But, but I, I do think that we talked about being happy and feeling good. And, and hormones are never, they don't have to be for the rest of your life. If you ever want to titrate them down, stop them, you might just go back to feeling like you did before, which may not be very fun. But it's not life or death. It's usually symptom-based for the most part. And obviously, if you're losing bone or something, then we'd want to work on that too. So 
I'm curious to hear a little bit more from you about the kind of training that you guys get in medical school. You touched on it briefly, um, but I just want people to have an idea of how to discern who has the right education and credentialing, because, you know, one of the things that we know um, with some of the work we've done in our community is that there are instances where you can appeal certain things to your health insurance. And if you do the appeal process correctly, you can get things like bioidentical hormones covered. Um, that's obviously not a universal thing. You know, there's there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. Um, but one of the things that is instrumental in being able to jump through those hoops is getting, you know, a letter from your doctor. And it's if it's a GYN, it's, it's, it's especially the right doctor, you know, that's kind of making the case for this. But um, not a lot of gynecologists actually have the expertise that you have in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. So I'd love for you to fill in the blanks on that for us. Most work in that particular area is probably postgraduate. So it's like you go into medical school, you learn about the body, you learn about biochemistry, microbiology, and then you start you know, you take psych and internal medicine, surgery and all that. And you've kind of figure out what you like to do. And then residency. So for OB, residency is a four-year program. You learn uh, basic obstetrics, high-risk obstetrics, basic gynecology, GYN oncology, um, reproductive endocrinology and infertility, some geriatrics, and maybe some acute care stuff. Um, but half of your training is, is OB, if not more, depending on where you train. A lot of doctors that go to Parkland up in Dallas is kind of like the obstetrics mecca of the country. And so they'll get a lot of obstetrics experience and not a whole lot of surgical or hormonal stuff. And so it's kind of a trade-off. So a lot of the doctors that learn this stuff do it after residency. And so you have, in order to do that, uh, the best way to learn is to do, in my opinion. I, I think you can go to a weekend course and get a little bit of a taste of what this is all about, but you really just have to start seeing patients. And so the credentialing, you know, there's a lot of people out there that use the word experts and guru and whatever they want to use. Um, and most of them aren't usually credentialed or licensed healthcare providers. And and that that's neither here nor there. It's just the reason people go to them is because we're not helping them. The licensed people aren't helping them. So they have to find help somewhere else. And so most of your docs, um, I would, first of all, I would look at their background. Uh, what's their profession? Um, are they emergency room? Are they internal medicine, uh, pediatrics? And they just learned hormones. Um, how do they set up their practice? Is it really heavy on, you know, not that selling things is bad, but are they, you know, are a lot of supplements involved, um, a lot of programs to buy into? Do you feel pressured, you know, um, or is it something where you just, you know, there's a lot of stuff, but you just feel like, yeah, I can try that or I can try this. Um, and then um, I would ask them, you know, it's hard to know their background or how many people they've treated because most of us don't know a number, but you can, you can tell by the time you leave 
um, whether or not you feel like you were listened to. I, I And I think Americans tend to have this false perception that the more you pay, the better it must be, um, which isn't always true, obviously. Uh, that doesn't, in medicine, doesn't mean it's quality if you pay more. Um, it sometimes means good marketing and and strategies to get people in and to keep people. But the main thing is, do you feel better after the treatment? Do you feel uh, secure and safe in the sense that you just don't have that icky feeling? I've gone to functional medicine practitioners here in Austin, and I've spent a lot of money. And when I left, I was more confused than I was when I went in. And I had like, I'm not kidding you. worth of supplements. A lot of them had ingredients that overlapped and I'm pretty savvy and I still did it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, and and then you feel kind of like, you know, I, I, I joke about this, but when women go get their hair done, if they don't like their haircut, a lot of the times they'll stay sometimes with their stylist because they feel bad. They don't want to make them mad. You know, they don't want to be. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like, you know, it's like, if you don't feel go, yeah, go get, go get a second opinion, go find somebody else. Don't keep going back because you feel bad for that. And they're going to be fine. They're going to be okay. The, the main thing is you feeling like you got the help that you need. And I mean, I, I hate pellets. I hate hormone pellets. I talk about it all the time. Um, I do meet women occasionally that will argue with me that they love their pellets and I'm, that's good. That's I'm, I'm happy for them. And I think that that's good. It's a very small number, but I would never tell somebody that their pellet experience is, is wrong. It's their experience, but I just see so many women that have bad experiences and that's why I've come to dislike them. So, um, we all have our opinions about certain things. And that's the other thing is in this field, I call it the wild west uh, hormones. You can find a study to prove anything you want. And, and that's what a lot of providers will do is they will, I mean, I'll see a lady come in and she's on pregnenolone and I don't usually prescribe pregnenolone because I think it's kind of silly because of the mechanisms and whatnot, but a lot of people prescribe it and their reasoning is okay but it's just another piece of information. So I, I look for two things with hormones. One is, are you going broke to do it? You shouldn't have to. And two, is the provider that you're seeing making the protocol so complicated that you, you can barely figure it out? And sometimes I think providers will do that because they make it kind of makes it look like they know more than the rest of us when the reality is it's just something they're doing like take this at two o'clock and then take this at six (laughs) o'clock it doesn't have to be that way i mean it should be relatively easy to use and you'll get great results i'd love for you to talk a little bit in the time that we have left about um some best practices around prescribing hormones because you know as a patient you go in to see your doctor and you're at the mercy of whatever he or she tells you to do in that visit. And, you know, you can be the guinea pig for that, you know, trial and error, but it's so, I I feel so much more empowered navigating this course when I have an idea of what it looks like when it's done well, right? This is um, especially relevant to the toxicity side of my journey, like took a long time for me to uncover all this toxic stuff. And I talked to a lot of different practitioners and I didn't know the questions to ask, right? As I started digging deeper because I was so frustrated that, you know, I've I've made progress on my journey, but I'm not 
better, meaning I, there is something still going on in my body that I have to be so propped up. When I started digging in and seeing what great protocols look like, it helped me so much in navigating it, finding a doctor that was going to help me, kind of discerning if if my feet are on solid ground, is this a good way for us to go? So I'd love for you to just help people understand what a solid protocol looks like. Like how are how are you prescribing? Is there is there some sequencing that's important um, to how you're putting women on hormones? Is there a, a way that they can like kind of hedge their bets that they're going to have a positive experience? I think this could be really helpful. So the one thing that's being discussed um, right now on the on the web, as it were, uh, one of my colleagues who she and I do not agree on anything, uh, Jen Gunter, um, she doesn't like to test. She thinks testing is stupid. And I'm like, how do you know what you're doing if you don't test uh, what you're... Now, if someone's 55 and they're menopausal, you can probably guess their estrogen and progesterone are zero. But in the perimenopausal woman, and then you're not checking thyroid, um, there's some naturopaths like Tori Hudson. She doesn't test a lot either. Um, but I like to test and I like to test as frequently as a patient wants to do it. My typical setup is I usually will get the hormones done before your visit. So I have them when you come in and then I will have women tell me what their symptoms are. Um, and I will correlate the symptoms to the, the labs and I will then tell them, okay, uh, like, let's say you're low in testosterone. I always look at hormones this way too. Neither it normal or abnormal, whatever. So normal just means that you're in the house. Okay. But then the question you should always ask is where am I in the house? So with a test, a free testosterone, normal is 0.2 to 6.4. I could multiply the 0.2 30 fold. It would still be normal for a woman. That's a huge range. So let's say you come in at 0.4. You're you're in the basement. You're laying on the floor in the basement of the house. You're normal, but you might feel horrible. I like to get women up into that main floor, maybe a little bit above the main floor. And that's where I find women do do really well. So what I will do is I'll talk to them. I'll say low, low testosterone, uh, fatigue around five in the afternoon, hair thinning, uh, decreased zip zest. If it was a T-shirt, it might just say meh, you know, and everybody's like, oh, my God, yes, that's totally me. Um, <laughs> and so uh, it's not like I'm a mind reader. I've just heard this tens of thousands of times. And 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 then so what I'll do then is I'll come up with a plan. Now, I try to simplify the hormones. So I will, if I can get three or four things into one cream for $45, I would rather do that for the patient because it's easier to apply. You don't have four different times you're taking things now. Uh, Most of the time, what I've been doing is because progesterone is the one hormone that makes you sleep or helps you sleep. um, I've been taking the progesterone out of the topicals and I've been giving an oral progesterone at at bedtime. And then I'll use like estradiol, testosterone, DHEA in the morning um, uh, on in a topical cream. So it's still only two. But what I've noticed is sometimes if I give a woman uh, progest everything at nighttime, then by about three or four in the afternoon, it's kind of wearing off. And so she's getting more symptoms. So I usually split it out like that, but that's about as fancy as I will get. Thyroid's a little different. Sometimes I'll dose that twice a day. It just depends on how the, the patient's doing. But my goal is the lowest cost for the patient combined with the easiest route of delivery. And that can be either topical or uh, sublingual uh, for the hormones oral, I will use occasional oral I'll use for progesterone. And occasionally if I just can't get 
the patient feeling good on uh, estradiol or testosterone, I might try oral as a last resort. I, I'm not a huge fan of vaginal uh, creams because I just think they're messy and the vagina absorbs a lot faster uh, and easier than the mouth does. So the dosing can be kind of kind of questionable and you'll get super high levels. It does seem to me that pellets would be uh, the best route because you don't even have to think about them and they're in there for three to six months and you don't have to do anything. But the problem that I've been seeing with them is one, they're super expensive and two, uh, the levels are crazy high, just like, I mean, higher than your husband sometimes. And I've had women crying because they feel bad and I can't do anything because you got to wait for it to wear off. Um, so that's just why I'm not a fan of pellets, but uh, cost and simplicity should be the two big things that we look at. I want to ask you a question about that because I see people talking about hormone stuff a lot in the, the healing Rosie Facebook group, especially, um, one of the things that can get tricky with hormones, it seems is that women will start all the hormones at once mm -hmm. and then they're having side effects and then they don't know where it came from. We don't know what it was. So how do you navigate that? Well, it depends on the side effects. Probably the most common side effect I see, I probably see it three, four times a day is breast tenderness. Um, that is usually a progesterone base. So, you know, sometimes certain things might be related to certain hormones. Bleeding or spotting uh, usually is either estrogen or progesterone. Um, heart racing, anxiety, probably more thyroid, too much thyroid. Uh, aggression, irritability could be testosterone. So you can kind of you can kind of go down the path by listening to some of the symptoms that they're having. I will also ask a woman, I'll be like, look, we've got like, let's say I have low testosterone, low thyroid. Uh, those are both energy hormones. They're both going to give you a pick me up um, metabolism and whatnot, but you may not need them both. Right. So some women will choose. I'll always give them the option. We could start the testosterone. We could start the thyroid. We could do both or we could pick one and just give it a four weeks and see how you're feeling. Maybe you don't need both of them. And what I'll usually do is I'll say, look, your, your thyroid is your free T3 is in the 10th percentile of normal. Your testosterone is around the 40th percentile of normal. So why don't we start with the thyroid, bump that up, and maybe you'll feel a lot better. Or maybe she also has high estrogen. And sometimes if I can just get the estrogen down using fiber and maybe calcium deglucurate or something, um, the sex hormone binding globulin comes down, the free testosterone goes up, thyroid goes up. And so sometimes you can work on one thing and, and one thing alone. But I, it's funny because you have different types of patients. There's definitely the woman that comes in and she wants everything. Give me that, give me the whole schmear. I just, I feel miserable. I want to try it all. And then I have women that are like, they don't want to go on any medication. So they want to do more natural approaches. And it's easier to do natural stuff in perimenopause. Menopause is kind of like you don't have any hormones. So yeah, there's, you don't have anything to work with. That's harder, but, but you can still try it. Sure. Um, and, and so you, I will sometimes piecemeal. That's why I see patients in a year. I might see people three, four times, depending on how many times they need to see me. But every time I'm thinking I'm adding, I'm taking away, I'm just, because especially perimenopausal women, they're changing all the time. So that's a moving target. Um, and, and it just, you know, and I'm always about the, I'm also not a big fan when I do things, like I said, simplicity. So if I'm going to give maca uh, as a supplement, because I think it will help, I don't give a maca that has like 
15 other things in it, like lavender, you know, valerian and blah, blah, blah. I'll just use maca because I want to know what's working. Yeah. Uh, magnesium, I'll just use magnesium or vitamin D. I'll just use vitamin D with K probably. But, um, but so I, I tend to be pretty like one component based and then I'll add things or pull them out. Yeah. For my mom. So my mom is one who freaks out. Uh, my concern with my mom, first of all, with all of her symptoms and things she was, exp- I mean, it's all classic menopause stuff, right? My mom is 74 now. She started working with Dr. Sean last year. Um, I knew for my mom that if she went on everything and her body started wigging out anywhere, she would just want to stop it all, right? So if you're that kind of person, I'll tell you what we did with my mom. Um, first, we started the thyroid. Uh, Dr. Sean prescribed thyroid. My mom's hypothyroid. So we started on thyroid and we waited a week or two weeks. I can't remember. And then we added in the prometrium, uh, which is progesterone. And then we waited two weeks. And then we added in the estrogen. We did the patch for my mom, which is what I'm using too. Waited two weeks and added testosterone. The ex- but my mom had breast tenderness was her major uh, symptom. As a result, talk to Dr. Sean about it. We pulled the um, prometrium, which was the progesterone, we pulled that out. It did not improve for my mom. And the progesterone was really helping her sleep, you know. So we pulled the patch and that's what it was. So right now what we're trying to figure out is what can we do to support detox? She did a cleanse, a liver cleanse. It really helped. She was able to go back on the patch for a week. And then she started experiencing the tenderness again. So we need to figure out what support does she need on an ongoing basis to be able to do the estrogen. It's important for her because she has osteoporosis, Right. But we just staggered it. So if you're the kind of person that um, might psychologically have a hard time, if if you start getting symptomatic, you know, if, um, I think that could be a great strategy for those that um, maybe have some concerns about going all in. But my mom uh, actually came down and was able to see Dr. Sean in person. And I, I have my aunt signing up right now. So for women who are in full menopause, both of them, um, I'm so grateful that I have Dr. Sean to recommend to them because I know he's going to take really good care of them. He takes insurance, which is almost impossible to find if you want to do bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Uh, Most practitioners that do it don't take insurance. So um, he's a gem in that way that he takes insurance and he's super easy to work with. And, you know, I'm, I have two women in my life that I love that are older. The big thing that they struggle with is the brain fog, the fatigue, having trouble sleeping and they're both experiencing versions of weight loss resistance. Although my aunt is a little worse than my mom, you know, you get to the point where it's like nothing, nothing works anymore, which, you know, for someone like me, I'm like, we're going to go upstream. That's where I found, you know, all of my victory, but I just really am grateful, Dr. Sean, for the contribution that you are to our community. If you post in the healing Rosie Facebook group, you see that he'll come in and chime in and really try to support the women who are figuring out how to navigate this part of their life. I love and am so grateful that I've been able to do bioidentical hormone replacement therapy as I'm getting other things figured out in my body. This idea that you need to you need to wait for nutrition and, you know, a few other protocol things to work for long periods of time. Certainly maybe for 90 days, that seems reasonable. But I see women who are struggling with what I can, they're not sleeping at night and they have low progesterone. And from my perspective, I'm like, oh, you just support your progesterone and you can sleep. If you're not sleeping, you're not healing. Um, I, I want to see them get that support. And they're working with doctors who 
don't really appreciate the value of supporting your hormones to a woman's quality of life, you know, and you just suffer needlessly for so long. So you're doing really important work, Dr. Sean, and I'm so grateful that, yeah, I get to share you with our community. And um, I would love for you to tell people if they're interested in working with you, if they want to, if they're, um, you kind of mentioned a little bit, if you Uh. aren't in Austin, Texas, and are looking for someone to work with. Dr. Sean does take insurance and he can work with you under certain conditions. So why don't you tell people what they need to do and how they can, how they can book their appointment. So uh, state laws differ on telemedicine. Um, Usually it's required that I see at least physically once a year, I can usually get people started or I can um, draw the labs and and at least kind of get people started, but I'd need to see you probably around the second visit. If not, um, I can always try to give you a plan that I would prescribe and then you would at least have that in hand. Um, but yeah, all, uh, any, and you know, Austin's a great place to come visit. Um, but yeah, it's usually like just that one visit. We'll get everything started and then um, we do all the follow-up kind of stuff on the phone. And yeah, I bill insurance. Um, I, I don't know why. Because <laughs> you're um, awesome. Yeah. My well, mom is on Medicare, y'all. And Dr. Sean actually ran a bunch of labs beyond just the hormone labs because I wanted to see, I wanted to get a picture of what was happening to see what other care to bring in for her. Yeah. Um, and Medicare did pay for all of her labs um, because Dr. Sean requested it um, as yeah. part of the visit. So that was super helpful. It's all yeah. In the, you got to code it, right? It's all in the coding. It's all yeah. in the coding. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for all you do to be a contribution to. You're to women in our community, women everywhere. I know that you sp- feel a special connection to us. You've been inspired to work with um, with women because of your relationship with your mom. And yeah. um, I, I hope everyone will go get his book, The Hormone Balance Bible. Um, it's awesome. You can get it on Amazon. I have a copy here. Um, it's a great reference tool. And if you talk to Dr. Sean, he's probably going to tell you which profile you fit. So, yeah. you know, it's it's really, it's really wonderful for to have something that represents someone's life's work. Um, It's a great way for us to empower ourselves. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Sean, for sharing your wisdom with us. And we'll talk to all you guys soon. Bye for now. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you're feeling more empowered to overcome your flabby, foggy, and fatigued and to reclaim your life. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss any of our episodes. We have some awesome shows coming right up. I love reading your reviews and comments too. They inspire me and encourage other Rosies to hang out with us and learn all these amazing strategies for healing and living our best lives. Till next time, sister. Bye.